Hello folks and welcome to the Knickknack Podcast. This will be Season 14, Episode 13, Surplus Thoughts. Grab your favorite beverage. We'll get started with some surplus thoughts that um, are probably not of value, but uh, might be maybe entertaining. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll get started here. So, Surplus Thoughts, the origin of that title is in the concept of surplus population. Um, I've been thinking about surplus population relative to myself um, in that um, within this capitalistic uh, society, um, I am surplus population in that I don't add value to the society I am extra um, I am extra relying on the society um, and being given a limited range of actions I can take within society being permitted to continue within society um, and that station in life is something that I've slowly come to terms with but also something that I think about and resist in some ways and comply with in other ways um, I was listening to the tail end of Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance which, which got my brain um, engaged again um, and whether that's a good thing long term or not, um, it's a welcome thing because I've spent the bulk of recent times actively trying to disengage my brain, um, which I think um, is what most people in American society do during their idle time. Um, and one can logically... Um, reason or hypothesize whatever term you want to use that uh, people have been doing a great more a, a larger deal of um, trying to pacify themselves uh, during this time of the virus in the US than they've done previously um, and there's no doubt um, that after a while trying to pacify yourself with consumption of media, you get to a certain point and you become restless. Um, and you want to do something. Um, and I think, you know, most people, um, I, I think roughly 80% of people within the U.S. Uh, as part of the workforce, um, you know, have something that they do that they perceive to be of value because on the surface it earns the money and um, in a larger sense they feel like they're participating 
and contributing something to society. The thing of it is, if you look at modern day society in the U.S., most of the jobs don't produce the goods needed for survival. Uh, the goods needed for survival, such as food, as an example, um, you know, food is grown and picked by migrant farm workers in the U.S. to the extent that food is grown in the U.S. for the most part. Um, and the more important jobs that we need to actively conduct our daily lives are, um, you know, things like stocking a grocery store um, or delivering food. Um, and you'll notice that those are customer service jobs. Those are the jobs that society deems or spins as the least valuable. But in our, in our society, um, migrant workers and customer service people are viewed as, you know, unskilled labor. So it's it's weird to think, um, in terms of modern U.S. society, that the unskilled, as is popularly termed, is the actual component of the workforce that allows us to continue to exist. Um, the unskilled or the unimportant, um, you know, the... People that are forced to work under poor conditions to produce our goods in Asia are viewed as less important than somebody in a business position in the U.S., for example. Um, and I find that an interesting and disturbing trend. Um, because as I think about the idea of trying to develop uh, a future concept of society that works. Um, I think the best way to look at potential ways of doing that um, boils down to developing small communities. But as I think about that idea, um, small communities within our structure of having, uh, the you know, only a small percentage of our farming done domestically, of having uh, a very limited amount of good production actually done domestically. The way the supply chain is laid out, it would be very difficult uh, to secure the means to get a plot of land and to secure the means of sustaining yourself on that plot of land without, you know, with well limiting your interface with other communities. Um, and then going back to thinking about myself, my position, my station within the society as it currently exists, um, I know that I'm surplus. Um, I know that 
um, I per- I'm perceived as having no or little value. Um, and I have to wonder, in thinking about developing a parallel society within the larger society, or thinking about and hoping for uh, a paradigm shift within society and a, uh, going in a more um, in more of a direction of serving the many over serving the few. Um, I'm not sure if I could adapt to that scenario. I'm not sure what my station in a scenario of unity might be. Um, I think if you look at um, some indigenous cultures, there is some value in being a storyteller, um, you know, being the person that provides substantive stories or substantive things to think about um, around a campfire or something like that. Um, that could be a potential role that I could fill. That could be a position of value. Um, but that's certainly not something that is valued to a large degree in our current society. Um, and I think that's a problem. I think that's something that this society is lacking because in order to function, you can't think. Because if people did think, they wouldn't be happy. Um, I've been told I should learn how to be happy. Um... And the only way I can figure um, to be happy in this context at this moment in at my station in the world, in this part of the world, is to not think, to be ignorant of the facts, to be naive, um, you know, to literally don't worry and be happy. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, that's not a, that's not something I can do easily. Um, and moreover, that's not something I want to do. Um, I want to move past this, um, state of being frozen in fear like I have been and produce something of value um but I don't want to produce something of surplus value if that makes any sense um so I guess I'm you know I'm kind of caught between the realities of now and the possibilities of hope for the future Um, and you know, it's, it takes some imagination, uh, to be hopeful for the future. Um, and I think it probably behooves me to be more imaginative, seeing as I do still have, um, a small amount of people that 
might listen to my thoughts. Um, so maybe that serves some value in some way. Um, but even doing this podcast, as I think about it, um, serves the purpose of trying to please others, trying to entertain others. Um, generally, I don't think of it that way. Uh, generally, as I'm producing this, I'm not thinking about the listener. Uh, I'm thinking about how best to express myself and to express what's in my head. Uh, and I have the hope that... Um, these thoughts, this work, uh, might outlive me. Um, the possibility of that happening, um, I don't know what, what the probability of that happening is. Um, but, uh, it does concern me, and it does cause me, um, great pause to think, that the station I have in this life is by it is to try and conform as best I can to much like anybody else limit critical thinking um, and limit the expression of critical thought um so as to not appear to be um, an outlying thinker. Um, and the funny part is, most of my critical thinking comes as the fruit of listening, or in some cases reading, um, the critical thought of others. Um, you know, I often go back to listening to my audio book of sending the article, Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, that always gets me thinking. Um, I do have a great courses on psychology. I do have great courses on philosophy. I haven't looked at them in a while. Um, it might behoove me to do some of that, um, and to use the fruit, fruits of my exposure to that. Um, on the podcast in the future, um, as I go forward, as I take advantage of whatever time I have at this level of privilege, um, and hopefully produce something, uh, not only of value, um, but something that, uh, could last. Um, because I was, I was talking with a friend earlier today. Um, and my friend said a dis definitely a different station in life, a different point in life than I am at. Um, but we have both, um, decided, me through, mostly through virtue of lack of opportunity, them through an, the active decision, um, to not appropriate. And as a result, um, that decision in and of itself 
um, could be argued to make a surplus population. And it could certainly, it certainly runs counter to the natural law or the natural order of most biological life forms. In a strictly biological sense, if you are not procreating, you're, you have really no biological reason to exist. Um, and of course humans have the benefit, some humans have the benefit of choosing not to procreate because there are more than enough people that do procreate and thus the continuation of the species, barring an apoc- a complete apocalypse, uh, is highly likely to continue. Um, now, something I, I asked my friend, um, and I think they gave a good answer, um, is that, you know, I asked, do you think we've evolved to the point where natural law can no longer regulate? And their response, I, I and I, I kind of came up with the response with the answer to it as I was talking my way through the thought. Uh, but their response kind of reinforced and reminded me that um, we may be able to, we may have been able to evolve past some of the simpler natural laws, natural biological laws. Um, but at the end of the day, our survival at the present time, and it seems for the foreseeable future, is dependent upon our environment, uh, i.e. the earth itself. Um, if we are not able to have a um, an environment on Earth that is suitable to continue our way of life, um, then we won't continue to exist. Um, and this brings up the issue of, um, of course, climate change and... Um, I'm kind of, I'm mixed uh, feelings and thoughts on climate change. Um, I do think human activity over the past, say, 200 years has had an impact on the Earth. Um, I don't think our impact has been so great that the earth um, and the natural order or natural law of things um, can't change such that humans can no longer exist. Um, in that sense, I think, you know, the one natural natural um, barrier that human humans have is uh, the earth is the limits of the environment that we're in 
Um, so why, why I don't think that, um, human activity has, uh, created such a situation that the earth can never, um, rebalance and never rebound from the impact that has been had, um, I do think there is great potential um, that human activity can and has um, limited or shortened the time that humans can continue to exist at the level we are, if at all. So, um, I think and hope that the way we're functioning now, both in the U.S. and the globe as a whole, the way the human population is functioning now, I don't think it can be sustained for much longer, and I hope it can't be sustained for much longer, because the only hope I have... The only thing I can think of to, to create better times and a better existence for me is a paradigm shift within society. Um, and barring a paradigm shift in society, um, and realizing that I am a member of the surplus population, um, if things don't don't change soon, um, it's not a it's not a society I want to be part of. If that makes any sense. So you know, again, um, you know, it goes to deep the deep dark place of you know having conditions for life. Um, for lack of a better term. So I, I don't know if all this, all this surplus thought is cohesive in any way. Um, but hopefully it's maybe inspired some critical thinking on your part. Um, because to think critically is to, is probably the most important act of defiance that can be done in this culture. Um, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, if you have feedback, N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K at gmail.com and you know, dare to think critically. Till next time, stay safe, stay sane, happy railroading, happy landing.